Okay, I got a question for you as we get started today. Who in the house is a SpongeBob SquarePants fan? Oh, a few people are a little afraid to say it. I can see that, okay? Most of us at least know who he is. I've seen way more SpongeBob than I ever needed, especially when our daughters were a little bit younger. Um, so there's, there's a lot of it out there because it's been on forever. I want to show you a little video today. Um, it's a video not of Spongebob so much of his boss, Mr. Krabs, at the Krusty Krab. And Mr. Krabs is known pretty much for one thing, and I think you'll figure that out as we watch this video. Mr. Krabs loves money. money, right. That's not too hard to figure out, is it? He really does. I mean, that, he's, he's known for you know, being thrifty in lots of ways and liking to have plenty of money around him. Now, you, you might know somebody like that in your life, right? You might even be somebody like that in your life. But we don't really, none of us want to be known for our love of money. In fact, we know, and if you look in literature throughout history, there's lots of characters who are known for their love of money. And sometimes it's really not attractive. We only need to think of maybe Christmas time and one character is probably going to come to your mind. Who would that be? Scrooge, right. Yeah. And, and we see that in lots of literature. We, we don't want to be known as that person who loves money more than they love people. Right? And yet we know that that is real because like if we're really honest with ourselves, we know that we all, maybe not as much as Mr. Krabs, okay? But we do like money. I mean, we like to have money in the bank and we like to be able to spend some money. We, we like that. And we're gonna think about why a little bit later, but you know, the thing for us is like, how do we, how do we deal with this love of money? And in our culture, I mean, honestly, we really don't like anybody telling us what we should do with our money. We don't want someone else saying, this is the way you should save or spend or give or whatever else it is. In fact, sometimes we resent it if somebody tells us what we should do with our own money. It's my money, not yours, right? So you shouldn't be able to tell me what to do with my money and and maybe sometimes we really resent somebody like me standing in a place like this telling people what to do with their money. And in fact, I mean, it doesn't take us long to look around and see some pretty bad teaching coming from some people like me in places like this that really can be destructive for people and really takes advantage of people. We have seen that. We have seen churches and Christian leaders take advantage of people for their own gain when they begin to talk about money. So we got to be pretty careful. And today, I want us to think a little bit about money, but I'm not going to talk about church giving, okay? That's for another day. I want us to think more about our attitude about money. Today, we continue in this series in which we're thinking about being all in in our faith in Jesus Christ. What does that look like for me to be all in in following Jesus? And we're thinking about lots of different areas of our lives and how we can really be all in, completely sold out, ready to give God whatever we have in his service and today it gets well it gets a little personal because we are talking about 
money. So how do we deal with that? How do we handle the resource that God's given us in terms of our money? We can't avoid this topic if we're thinking about being all in. So how do we deal with the Jesus who makes all kinds of claims on our lives in terms of relationships, in terms of just about every area of life, including our money? Because we know what Christ has done for us. We've celebrated that already in worship. We know we owe Him everything. And then we hear Jesus say things like, sell your stuff and give it to the poor. And we go, man, that makes me uncomfortable. So what do we do with this? Well, to get at that today, I'd like us to turn to a passage that we find in a book that's called 1 Timothy. It's a letter that Paul wrote, this early Christian leader. He wrote it not to a church, but as you can tell by the name of the letter, to a, a one person, to a young Christian leader. His name is Timothy. He's somebody that Paul had brought alongside him and trained him, and now he's writing this letter because they're separated, and he's giving him some instruction in his life and in his ministry. And near the end of the letter in chapter 6, which is the last chapter, we find Paul talking about money. Now, before we get to the verse that I want us to jump into, let's know what Paul's been doing. He's been dealing with some false teaching. And the false teaching that Timothy was encountering in the churches that he was serving was this. If you're really good, and if you do what God says, you're going to get rich. That false teaching has not gone away, has it? Because we still hear that sometimes. If you're really a good person, God's going to bless you and you're going to have all you ever wanted. You're going to be Mr. Krabs rolling in your money, right? Well, Paul says it doesn't work that way. In fact, he couldn't disagree more with that kind of thinking. And this is how he begins to frame his argument about that. Verse 6, Paul says, But godliness... See, the people before us said godliness leads to all kinds of money. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So Paul's taking this argument that the people are making that, man, if you're a good enough person, if you follow God, you're going to be wealthy because God's going to bless you. And he turns it on its head and he says, listen, godliness, living a life of following Jesus Christ, being the kind of person that God wants you to be, that's the reward in itself. Because that's the best life. If we live a life of following God and Paul pairs that with contentment, you hear what he says there, godliness with contentment. If, if, we, if we try to follow God and we live our lives thinking, man, God has blessed me with what I need and that's as much as I need and that's awesome. He didn't have to do that. There's your blessing. You don't need more than that. And it is a blessing, isn't it? Because, because the life that God has laid out, the life of, that follows His plan, the morality that God has set out in Scripture, and being content with what God has given, that is a blessing. And He's going to show the opposite of that in a minute and why that's not a blessing, but, but God always has our best interest. And it's up to us to decide to follow Him. Verse 7, Paul says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. Yeah, that's it, right? I mean, when we were born, nothing came with us. We didn't come with a savings account. We didn't come with clothes. We didn't own a house. None of that was present. We came in with nothing, and when we leave, there will still be nothing. Now, it's easy for us to begin to think that all the stuff that I've accumulated, whether it's in the bank or whether it's in my house, 
is mine. And it's going to be mine. But Paul is pointing out an important point here. It's all temporary. It's all temporary. Because one day, all the stuff that I accumulate is going to belong to somebody else. And some of it they'll really love, and some of it they'll sell in a yard sale. Watch out for that, okay? Just try to buy some of it so it doesn't all go to strangers for me, okay? That's a hard truth. But it's real. When I'm gone, I'm not taking any of it with me. The book of Job says it this way in a pretty well-known verse. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked will I depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. It's the way it works. It's all temporary. And when we begin to think that the most important thing is the accumulation of wealth and stuff, money, we start down a dangerous path. In fact, part of what Paul is getting at here is it doesn't make sense to spend our lives accumulating stuff and accumulating large bank accounts because in the end, it's not going to matter. Because it won't be ours to take into eternity. Those are not the treasures that last, Jesus might say. We're not going to take any of it with us. Verse 8, But if we have food and clothing... We will be content with that. Will we? I mean, it's a valid question, right? If we have food and clothing. Now, what Paul's saying is the necessities. The basics. If you have enough food for today and you've got some clothes on your back and, and maybe we might add a place to keep dry for training, I mean, a place to live indoors, then, then Paul says... We're going to be happy. Now, this is a world that was a little different than ours, right? Lots of people in Paul's day were hoping to make enough money to buy food for today, to make sure they had clothes on their back for today, to make sure they had a place to stay tonight. That's a different world. We don't live in that world, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I know where I'm going to sleep tonight. If, if we don't get to the store today, I know there's enough food in our house that we're not going to starve tonight, right? I'm thankful for that. Paul says... Be content. But we're really not. I mean, all it takes is us watching a little bit of a show on HGTV where somebody's fixing up a house or selling a house, and everybody wants their dream home, right? Their dream home. It's as if everyone deserves their dream home. Guess what? You don't. I don't either. And the real world says, what i got to do is look at what I've got and then think about what I can buy in that price range, in that budget. And guess what? It might not be my dream home. And that's okay. That's what Paul's saying right here, right? Food, clothing, we'll be happy. That's what he's trying to bring Timothy to. And that's a hard realization for some of us because, frankly, we want more than that. We're used to having more than that. We've been trained to want more than that. 
And to dial all that back and to say, godliness with contentment, that's great game. To change our attitude toward what we have so that we are content with clothes on our back, food to eat, a dry place to sleep. And that really is a change from the way most of us think because we live in a very affluent culture. And yet Paul's calling us back to this. Verse 9, those who want to get rich fall into the temptation, fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Wow, that is strong. When we decide I'm not content with, I've got to have more, I've got to have more, and there never is enough, right? I don't know anybody who says, man, you know, I think, I think I've got enough money. If somebody offered me $10,000, I think I'd turn them down just because I, I got plenty. We don't think that way. A little more is always a little better. And Paul is saying it's easy when, when we get into that frame of reference, and most of us, including me, are in it. We can be tempted to go some places we shouldn't go. To pursue wealth in places that we shouldn't pursue it. And it just might bring destruction on us because we might be so desperate for more that we lose what we've got. And we see people do that. And so we've got to watch the attitude. If I'm really going to be all in in my faith in Jesus Christ, then I've got to rethink how I understand money so that I'm following God's principles for money. So that I'm thinking through, what am I doing with what God has given me? And am I doing it in a way that pleases Him or pleases myself? And then Paul brings this together in a passage that's often misquoted. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now we hear that quoted, the love of money is the root of all evil, right? I've heard that so many times. Or money is the root of all evil. Well, Paul expands that something more and if we bring it down then we're probably not saying the same thing Paul is for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil evil some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs so what's he saying He's saying listen what gets us in trouble is not just money itself hey money is a resource right money is something that we use for other things and God blesses us with that resource, just like time. Time is a resource, and we can use it in lots of different ways. We can think about our abilities, our talents, and we can use those talents in lots of different ways. There are, those are resources. This building, our home, they're all resources to be used. The question is, what's our attitude toward them? Do we love them? Or do we see them as a blessing from God in which we find contentment that are then used for the needs of life? If we love them, it is easy for those things to become as important or more important than our faith in God. And that's what Paul's getting at when he says these things can become a temptation and they can destroy us. And they can. They can. And so our attitude is, here's something God's blessed me with. What is it for? What does God want me to use it for? And I can't let it take control. 
It's not money that is the root of all evil. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, there are other sources of evil. Money's not the only one. There's plenty out there, right? But money is a powerful one. Because we like the way money makes us feel. So if we have a lot of money, it makes us feel more important than somebody else. Our money makes us secure. We like the stuff that we can go out and buy with our money. Money can take us in lots of different directions that lead to temptation. And that's sort of what Paul's getting at. It really can cause problems in lots of areas of our lives. It has the potential for destruction. So how do we understand this? Let's say it this way. Make money your servant not your master. Make money your servant. Treat it as a resource. Treat it as something that God has given you to use to provide for your needs, for your family's needs, maybe to help other people, to do work that God has called you to do. Make money your servant, not your master, because when it becomes your master, it gets you into trouble. Now, here's the thing that we've got to remember. We've got to deal with money. It's not like we can say, well, you know what? I'm not going to deal with money anymore. Because at least for me, maybe this is not true for you, Kroger does not give me groceries on my good looks, right? That shouldn't be that funny, all right? They don't. I mean, we've, we've got to take some money with us in there if we want groceries. And so we've got to figure this out. It's not like we can just avoid it. And if I'm going to be all in in my faith in Jesus Christ, then that means money's got to have the right place in my life. And if it's my master, if it controls how I spend my time, and whether I'm devoted to my family or not, or maybe the pursuit of that money is causing me to deal with all kinds of temptations to do stuff that I should not do, then money is in the wrong place. It has become my master, and I've got to make it my servant. So where is it for you? Three things we can do really quick, I think, to put money in its proper place. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on these. First of all, recognize that everything belongs to God. All my money, it's God's. It is, I'm just holding it, and I better hold it loosely because it can disappear really quickly. Okay, And I am not taking it with me. So I've, I've only got it temporarily. You see, it's a resource, just like time. I've only got so much time, then it's gone. I've got my abilities, but they're not going to last forever. None of these things do. So we better hold them loosely. They better be God's, not mine. And if I say my money is God's, then it's my servant, not my master. God's my master. What does God want me to do with this? He gave it to me. What does He want me to do with it? And so when I recognize that I'm using what God has given me, what ultimately still belongs to God, then that changes how I understand. It's not mine anyway. Now, God wants me to make sure that my family's fed and that everybody has clothes to wear and we're living indoors. He wants us to do those things. But you see, we get in trouble when we say, well, I should also have. Look at them. They have this. Why can't I have that? Why didn't God give me enough to do what they're doing, the trip they're taking, the car they're driving, the house they live in? God's blessed me. God's blessed you. 
with money. Maybe not all the same amount, but if we're going to be all in for him, then we've got to go back to godliness with contentment. It's all God's. Second, make a plan. See, we get in trouble when there's not a plan. We get in trouble when there's not enough to go around. We get in trouble when, when the debt goes up. All those things mean there's not a plan. And if we don't have a plan, then money again can become our master rather than our servant. If we have a plan, then money is the servant. We're telling the money where to go instead of the money telling us where to go. Make a plan. Get a budget. Number three, be generous. You know, nothing tells money that it is not in control then nothing tells it that it's not in control any more than me giving some of it away for some people it's really hard to do because if i give money away it's not mine anymore right I can't use it anymore. It's not going to buy me the stuff that I want. A little bit of my security is taken away. But it frees us because it makes money our servant, not our master. So be generous. And yeah, as I said, I'm not just talking about church today. There are lots of opportunities to give. I know we do good work as a church and you are generous people with the church. There are other places that we can be generous to. There are people in need around us. There are organizations that are doing good work all over the world. We should be generous. We should give some of it away. So, is money your servant? Or is money your master? It's a question we need to answer, and we need to answer it over and over again because that can change so quickly. It can move from being our servant to our master in a heartbeat by what we're thinking. So over and over, ask yourself, is it my servant or is it my master? Let's pray together. Now we want to be all in for you and we know one of the things that can keep us from being all in is how we understand what we have. And God, we want to say we're thankful for the way that you've blessed us. Thankful for the fact that we have food to eat, clothes to wear, a place to live. And God, we ask that you would continue to bless us with what we need. But we also ask that you'd help us to be content with what you've given us. And God, we pray as we serve you that you'll help us to keep money in its right place. We don't want it to take your place. We want you to be our master. We want to serve you with everything we have. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.